Episode 6 of ICO 41, Weekly In-Depth Analysis of Initial Coin Offerings. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of ICO 41. My name is Owen Scott and I'm your podcast host. This podcast focuses deeply on a single ICO each week and presumes some knowledge of the basics of blockchain technology. What's a little different about this podcast is that we read the white papers, we investigate the background of the team, and if we can, we spend some time communicating directly with the team in question and then we report to you in detail. As always, this podcast is not intended as investment advice, nor as information to lead to any particular action whatsoever. Our aim is to inform, not to suggest. Now, what we've found almost since the beginning of this podcast is that each week our analysis leads us to another general note that we feel that we need to make before we start, and this week is no exception. What we have learned in the last week of analysis in which we want to share with you is the degree to which it is evident when a company that is preparing to launch an ICO or token sale is relying on professional assistance for the execution of that sale and the preparation thereof or not. And the implications of seeking and using that type of assistance. In fact, I'll go as far as to say that this has actually led to a slight adjustment in our analysis methodology. I think we'll now add one more data point and potential brief discussion whether there is evidence of professional assistance or not. Now look, this doesn't mean that we're going to be making any generalized judgments in relationship to this. We're simply going to observe it and note it when appropriate. And over time, as we check back with some of the ICOs that we've analyzed, it should be interesting to see just what the significance of this data point is. And to be clear, I'm talking about specific organizations who provide services to assist in the preparation of token crowd sales. Companies like Token Market and Amazix and others. And the reason that we're focusing on this is because what we found recently is that when we analyze token sales that appear to have some sort of assistance from organizations like this, our jobs as analysts and potential investors is much, much easier. And why do you suppose that is? Well, Everything's in place. Community interaction, communication channels, repository of information like white papers and GitHub. Usually a rich store of information. And that helps in the analysis of these ICOs. It shortens the time and provides more rich information. There's another thing that I want to point out. It's our stance, as it were. I don't think we've ever really expressed ourselves with respect to where we are with the concept of blockchains and ICOs, and we've been getting some generalized questions about it and feedback. So I want to do that now. As we dive into this space, and I'm talking about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain, initial coin offerings, our most general approach, or our starting point, stems from what I think we should call a positive position. That's where we start. I guess you could say the benefit of the doubt. To be specific, while we understand some of the technology challenges 
facing blockchain. And while we understand that use cases are sometimes being stretched, we by and large generally believe that the potential is there to change fundamentally the way in which products and services are distributed and consumed. And we believe that the intelligent use of blockchain can change it for the better. What this means, in a way, is we wish that all sincere ICOs could be a smashing success, simply because we wish to usher this new era in. But we also believe that there's a certain amount of gold rush mentality happening right now. And that really the only way that we can decipher the differences between those two points of view requires sincere and open questioning, along with intelligent and balanced analysis. And finally, I want to point out that we can't and don't know everything there is about this space. We would actually love to hear more comments from our listeners, as well as reviews on iTunes, of course. But we would also welcome comments as to how we can be better on this podcast. So I'm going to ask that you please visit ICO41.com, click the email address link, or click the contact section, or fill out the contact form, or if you want to be anonymous, post any comments on any of our blog posts. We will certainly respond to any sincere questions or comments. Thanks very much for that. Okay, listeners, this week's upcoming initial coin offering is... BitJob. This project seeks to create a global decentralized marketplace for student employment. Just think Fiverr, Upwork, Elance, Guru, those online sites where people of talent can sell their services to people that need them. Now, specifically, this project, BitJob, is aiming to serve the segment of the population that faces that catch-22 of so many students, where they begin to look for their first job after college and find it difficult many times because they lack the portfolio of work that is so essential these days. Now, I'll say right out of the gate, with this project that I found a lot to like. Now, some of this might be due to the fact that I myself have some kids who will be facing this issue in the near future. And that's certainly what drew me toward the project. But as I dug into the details of the white paper and began to read a lot of the ancillary documentation, and then I looked carefully at the team, and then I observed the execution of the token offering itself, which is going on right now, and in fact, will end in a few days, I became more and more impressed. Now let's have a look at the company and the team. This company is based in Israel, and the founders have been involved with the project since around the middle of 2016. They began formally introducing the concept in November of 2016. And as with some of the other ICOs that we've studied, the project itself and the team is a bit more important than the corporate structure. In this particular case, there's a working alpha platform running on the blockchain, which is to me more important than company structure. I was actually able to sign up on the alpha platform and within minutes obtain an Ethereum address as part of the sign up. I watched as a smart contract was executed. I was able to go to the GitHub repository and look at the code. I was provided with 
the Ethereum address plus 400 tokens in the Alpha Network just for signing up. I'll describe this in a little more detail later, but the point is that the team has proven to me that they can build something on the blockchain. Let's talk about that team as well. In this case, we have a very strong set of credentials in blockchain and Ethereum programming. One of the senior developers has been on no less than four concurrent projects and has taught blockchain development in Switzerland. Another member of the team wrote an article about crowdfunding using Bitcoin back in 2014, before the ERC-20 token craze that we're seeing now hit. The CTO himself has a list of projects that all involve smart contract development using Solidity. He's been consulting in technology for well over 20 years. He's extremely active on LinkedIn and has about 6,000 followers on that platform. This is a large team, 17 main members and a dozen advisors. And after looking at the credentials and background of this team, there is no doubt in my mind that they can build what they've designed in the white paper. And let's have a look at that white paper. Now, just like this team, there is a lot to like about this white paper. First, I like the fact that the white paper itself is actually in version 3B, which means that we're seeing the end result of an evolution of thought. And if you dig and look around, you'll find evidence of that evolution through a series of medium articles, early reviews, responses to those reviews. The secondly, about this white paper, the very first thing that jumped out at me was that the authors recognize at this point that a hybrid model is required for immediate adoption. And what I mean by a hybrid model is that some aspects of the system, such as payment for services, featuring PayPal, which is the method used most now in sites such as Fiverr and Upwork and others, that will be supported, as well as the token on the network that will immediately serve more utilitarian purposes. I think this is an important point because a lot of white papers present an elaborate, pure blockchain design to create marketplaces, govern transactions, provide payment systems, and operate entire ecosystems of processing without really much thought as to just about how long that will take to construct. Now, this white paper, in contrast, presents a model whereby a working system can be presented and operated sooner using a hybrid model with a roadmap that deploys blockchain technology as an adjunct in phases. This actually makes sense to me, and it leads me to believe that with this project, we're going to be seeing a platform that's workable, operational, within a reasonable time frame. With users logged in and the system functioning in a commercial sense, relatively earlier in the development of the platform than we otherwise would have seen in a pure blockchain solution. If you remember a few weeks ago when I dropped in on the Gollum project and found that after a year past their very successful crowd sale, there was barely a beta to log into. This white paper by BitJob inspires some confidence in me that their goals are a little more achievable and sooner. The base architecture of the system consists of three main actors and two main systems. The actors are students, employers, and affiliates. 
And the main systems are identity management and process control. Essentially, students with talent provide what is mainly digital services for employers with projects that need help. Affiliates play very important roles in providing the ability for these two major actors to connect with each other and to help market the platform and bring on new students. A good example of an affiliate would be a student union, which would be rewarded in token payments for bringing students onto the platform. Now, identity management is pretty critical because of the problems that plague some existing work-for-hire systems, where fake projects waste the time of individuals and students who wish to work, while bad actors also prey upon employers who have projects that require qualified staff. The token provides the fuel to run the network, with the initial ability to provide affiliate fees and rewards for retaining the tokens in the network through a an interest-bearing sort of of proof-of-stake mechanism. It reminds me of other proof-of-stake platforms like BitConnect, which is mainly an investment vehicle where members are strongly incentivized to reinvest their tokens. It's similar in this way with BitJob, where the membership will be encouraged to retain their tokens in the network and not cash them out for fiat. Tokens will also be used in establishing and maintaining reputation profiles. They'll be used for voting power to make decisions regarding the network. They'll also play a part in the bidding process for services and projects. What I found interesting in this white paper was the discussion regarding the inequity present now between people in various countries. It's actually this economic imbalance that drives a great deal of sites like Guru and Fiverr and Upwork. Well, BitJob maintains the possibility of future token sales with tokens issued that are specific for a country as a way to better tie correlation between a country's pay levels and the value of services in another country. And the white paper refers to the use of perhaps country-specific smart contracts, which are relevant to the appropriate currency, as well as the potential for country-specific tokens to perform differently on cryptocurrency exchanges. You know, a lot of white papers we see deal with international components, but this seems like a slightly original approach that I don't think I've seen before. Let's talk about the roadmap. The white paper was first published and the site came up in February of 2017. There were some pre-sale announcements before the private and public sales, and in October of 2017, the sale will be over. That's happening right now. That ends on the 13th of October. There's going to be a private beta launch in November of 2017, which I believe could easily happen since they already have a working alpha release. There will be a public beta release in the first quarter of 2018, and the platform will be open for developers shortly after that. They anticipate a full product launch in the second quarter of 2018. You might note that in case you don't end up participating in the ICO itself, you could potentially purchase tokens on an exchange, and then you should be able to participate in the private beta of the operating system if you happen to be a student or an employer who's interested in actually using this. This 
last fact is not confirmed yet, but I will find out more and I'll be sure to update our site at ICO41.com. Let's talk about the token and the technology. Well, the token name is Stu, S-T-U, and it'll be an ERC-20 token running on the Ethereum blockchain. The token itself, as well as the progress of the sale, can be monitored on Etherscan. Just type in the abbreviation for the token, STU, and it comes right up. You're able to see the distribution of the transactions. In terms of utility, voting rights are provided by anyone who owns the token, and the amount of voting power is provided by how much of the token that you own. A proof-of-stake mechanism encourages, as I mentioned before, keeping tokens in the platform, and there is the capability of minting tokens through a variety of activities, such as conflict resolution, new member registration, reputation scores, support provided for new members, running community forums, and more. It should be understood that this is not a proof-of-work consensus method. What I mean is that the concept of minting is not precisely the creation of a coin like Bitcoin or how Ethereum works where you mine and then generate a new token. Really what this is, is that the tokens all exist now. They've all been, I guess you could say, pre-mined. And through what I would imagine would be a series of smart contracts, the so-called minting of coins would really be a transfer between the wallet that holds the reserves of the token, which you can see on Etherscan, holding about 96% presently, and the wallet of the member to receive it. Now, this is my understanding of how it would actually work. And if I get more clarity on this, again, I'll post an update on the ICO41.com website. The pre-sale started on August 2nd, and it ended on August 16th. The pre-sale raised $1.5 million USD. And here are the details of the ICO itself. The ICO began on September 12th, and it ends October 13th, just in a few days. The price of the Stu coin is 888, 888 Stu for one Ether. And the current price of Ether is about 310 US dollars at the time of this podcast. The soft cap, which is referred to on the website as the minimum funding goal, is 2,250 Ether, which is about $675,000 USD. That's been achieved, and so the project will move forward. The hard cap, which isn't quite stated as such, but it exists if you do the math, is about $70 million. And what I mean by that math is that it's simply the maximum number of tokens issued, which is 200 million, with a price of 888 tokens per Ether. So the maximum amount that could possibly be raised is that division, which comes out to around 69, 70 million dollars. From what I can tell, the ICO is proceeding without a hitch and is successful, relatively speaking, as their first milestone is almost reached, which is about 7,500 Ether. That equates to about two and a half million US dollars. And if you add the pre-sale of one and a half million, there's been about four million dollars raised so far, which seems in keeping with a project of this size and complexity as compared to some of the other projects that we've seen, which are much, much more complex and thereby requiring much more money to execute. 
I think one of the reasons for such a smooth token sale is probably involvement of both Token Market and a company named Amazix. And both of them have solid track records in helping companies launch successful ICOs, certainly from an operational perspective. Let's talk about SEC compliance. In terms of SEC compliance, there's really no evidence in the white paper, nor in any of the communication from the team, that this token will be used in any other way than to provide utility. And there's no evidence of what the SEC might characterize as passivity. What I mean by that is the relationship between those that manage the tokens and those that hold them. What I mean is that there are voting rights as well as other utilitarian uses of the token throughout the network architecture. All members will use and contribute with the token. The official word regarding this sale is that it's closed to U.S. investors, but of course there'll be a secondary market if you happen to be a U.S. resident and wish to join the community and use the network in the future. Let's talk about business viability. In terms of viability, we already see a great deal of success in activity on platforms that are already used by this target group, such as Fiverr, Upwork, Guru, Elance. We feel that the business concept itself is sound. In fact, if you consider the fact that Fiverr can take up to 20% of the transaction fees, and this is similar to what we saw a few weeks ago in the real estate industry with rentals, where a significant portion of transactions are kept by this central authority, we can see a sound business reason for students to prefer this platform over those other types of platforms that take a healthy percentage. So in general, we feel like the business concept is sound. But in this case, it's made a little bit more sound, in, in my opinion, based on the activities that I've seen take place on the business side of things by BitJob itself. Now, very often you see these ICOs come sort of out of nowhere with the promise of doing some great marketing or great business development down the road. But in this case, we had an early launch or an early notification and announcement of the platform before any money was raised and a flurry of sincere activity from the team in building the idea of the concept before the money was raised. This, to me, means that these folks have some time and energy invested in this. And I'm referring specifically to partnerships. Things like partnerships with universities like Berkeley and Concordia and McGill and the Ivy Business School at Western University. The company issued a business development plan which showed the activities expected at the current level of fundraising which is between two and a half and 10 million US dollars. And some of those activities were already done even without the money being raised. What we're looking at, according to the business plan, is a lot of on the ground marketing at major universities in Europe and the United States, the development of iOS and Android apps, STU based debit cards, and large scale marketing. Let's talk a little bit about the reaction from the community. Now, the first thing I want to say about the reaction of this community is that this particular sale stands out from what I have seen in the recent past in the sheer community involvement. There are more than a dozen channels listed on the website from Bitcoin Talk to WeChat to Talk to LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, GitHub. 
The first announcement on Bitcoin talk about the token sale took place all the way back in June. And that thread has 22 pages of comments. Now, in that thread, when you read it, they receive quite a lot of early and enthusiastic encouragement from senior Bitcoin talk members, which is a pretty high bar to meet when you consider some of the skepticism that some of these senior Bitcoin talk members sometimes deliver. This thread or this, uh, this sort of positive reaction continued through about mid-August, but then the thread was locked by an administrator for a procedural issue. This happens sometimes. I've seen it happen before. And, and, and really what it is is that there's usually a bounty program, and there is in this case, of course, and then there's an announcement thread. And you have to be careful not to mix the conversation about bounty between the two threads. If that happens, and if the moderator sees evidence of team members responding to bounty questions on the announcement thread, they'll shut the announcement thread down. That's exactly what happens. Happened before, I've seen it. Sometimes the moderators are very enthusiastic about what they do, and that's what occurred this time. Of course, there were a lot of other channels to look at, so uh, I can tell you that from what I saw, uh, it was almost universally positively received. The GitHub presence is fairly significant with three repositories. The pilot application was updated in July. The smart contract was added in May. The Telegram channel, very well maintained. A variety of team members were present. Also partners like Amazix at all hours of the night and day to helpfully answer questions and relay information. I myself have a few questions that are being forwarded to the CIO, and I'll post them on the ICO41 website as soon as I have answers to them. What I think is interesting about the community involvement is that they deliberately floated the idea early, and then they allowed the community to react, and in fact seemed to help guide them in their thinking, and that developed into a more evolved concept, hence the version 3 of the white paper. I feel that in this way, the project has benefited from a long and active involvement with the blockchain community. A lot of these ICOs, I'm not sure whether they're afraid to engage with the community because of some of the negative comments, or maybe they don't have time to engage with the community. I'm not sure, but in any case, this team definitely didn't shy away from it. And they had active and enthusiastic involvement with the community from the beginning, and I think it's benefited them. Now let's talk about a couple of gotchas. Uh, the only gotcha that I have with this or the devil's advocacy with this is the decision uh, to not burn the unsold tokens to reduce the ultimate supply of the stew token. Now the CEO posted a long article on Medium titled An In-Depth Explainer on the Unsold Stew Liquidation Process Post-ICO. The reason for this article was explained as a response to questions from the membership. And I imagine it would be a valid question because so many ICOs have a policy to burn unsold tokens in this type of event. And in this case, there were 200 million tokens issued. 
This probably means that by the end of the sale, there will be about 95% of the token supply unsold. Now, the CEO explained that the tokens would not be retained by the team, nor would they be used to compensate advisors, contributors, or employees, and they won't be traded with potential employers. And in fact, they will only be released over a period of 5 to 10 years through an affiliate program. The CEO explains the affiliate program or the affiliates as the value creators of the system. And so the token is designed to be used to reward that value as it is created on the network. Now you can read the entire article at Medium and decide for yourself. My personal feeling is that there's too much reputation here at stake for this team to risk damaging their standing in the community over this. And I'm not really just talking about the blockchain or the Bitcoin community. I'm talking about their standing as professionals. If you look at their carefully maintained LinkedIn profiles, you know, we live in this sort of uh, very transparent world. Who we are Uh, Granted, it's fluid, it's dynamic, it's only data up on websites, right? So it can be changed. It's not actually a mutable blockchain, is it? Um, But the point is, is that uh, our reputations follow us. And my feeling is that the kind of sincerity that has been expressed uh, leading up to this token sale, and also the fact that they're considering the sale to be a success at the relatively modest levels that we're now seeing, all tells me that they're not going to risk their professional permanent reputation by playing around with a token that, unless their project succeeds, will not have much value anyway. So I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear on this, but the point is is that it would be one thing if they had this decision to not burn any of the tokens and the tokens were worth a tremendous amount of money. They would be sitting on tens or hundreds of millions of dollars and they would be able to decide what to do with that at any given whim. And the project isn't some kind of enormous bloated endeavor that will be released on exchanges and then just dumped because frankly there won't be a great deal of value in dumping tokens. So ultimately when I think about it and I read everything there is to read about this project my feeling is that they would do the right thing and that they're a sincere group of people and they have more to lose than they would gain by playing games with the allocation of those tokens. Now it might be that the allocation of those tokens over the five to ten years could actually be governed through uh, a smart contract. I don't have that information. And again, if I do have an update, I will certainly post it on the ICO 41 website. Our final takeaway from this ICO is that we believe that this is a worthwhile project. Not a lot of negatives. A very, very strong team and an almost flawless execution of the ICO itself. After performing some of these analyses for quite a while now, I 
I'm a little bit surprised that this project is not generating more interest and revenue. But if you think about it, it's more of a grassroots project. It's a little bit more sincere and altruistic than some of the more hyped projects. There's, for instance, no billionaire celebrity investors attached to it. And in a way, I feel like this might be a good thing in the long term. Because what it could mean is that the token might be a bargain on the exchanges when it's released, perhaps in November. And it might grow in value as the idea and the platform grows. So if this is the case, and you believe in the idea, this might be one of those tokens where there's a lot of upside potential. As the value of the token begins to grow organically, along with the development and execution of the idea. Now it so happens that I have an update this week. I received detailed answers from the CEO of BitJob. And if you're curious, please head over to ICO41.com and you'll see my questions and you'll see his detailed answers. Thanks. This week we have a little bit of time to focus on an ICO that came out in the past and that we can look at and see how they're doing. Komodo is the one we chose this week. K-O-M-O-D-O. KMD is the token and you can find it on coinmarketcap.com. As a token, it's performed fairly well since it came out in November of 2016. But as a project, it's also faring well. So the Komodo platform, the idea there was that they would build a blockchain startup kit with what they call decentralized crowdfunding. So what they mean by that is that Unlike, for instance, Ethereum, which is definitely on a blockchain and which definitely allows you to create a token that can be released and that can make its way onto exchanges, hence the ERC-20 specification and hence many, many ICOs, this particular platform, while similar to Ethereum, provides the ability to support native tokens that are not built on any specific platform. So what I mean by that is that Ethereum, for instance, creates what some people call colored coins. And that means that that cryptocurrency, that token that is created as an ERC-20 token on the Ethereum platform, they can only exist on that parent chain and they're limited within the features of that parent chain. In this case, it would be Ethereum. So what that means is that transactions of those types of coins are recorded on the parent chain, and which increases its footprint and sort of crowds the size of the block and, and crowds the traffic on the network. Now, if those coins that were issued as an ERC-20 token on the Ethereum blockchain needed to sort of leave the parent chain and have a life of their own, they would need to start over. In other words, the, the issuers of the token would need to begin essentially from scratch. And one of the main reasons why the ERC-20 Ethereum-based token is used is because it's so easy to generate. It's trivial to generate. But once you're on that chain, you're on that chain. And so you'll see that the people who 
release these have a very strong relationship or very strong stake in the Ethereum project. So Komodo is coming out with something a little bit different or did come out with something a little bit different. And um, what that means is that if there is a coin or a token that is out there operating and the developers of that token can adjust it to be compatible with Komodo, the Komodo platform, which has a lot of similar features as Ethereum does, they're saying that it's movable. So they're saying it's a little bit more autonomous. If the coin wants to leave the parent chain, so to speak, they can do that. So that's kind of an interesting concept. Their political position is like, well, we want to make it possible for people to use the platform that we've created, but we don't want to lock you in. And so it's it's kind of interesting to see that uh, that sort of, it's almost as if uh, it was constructed in response to some issues that were present uh, for some of these entrepreneurs that want to use the Ethereum platform. So how they're doing is good news in the sense that they, they have their platform ready for business. In fact, they have their first coin coming out. It's called Monaize, M-O-N-A-I-Z-E. And that's set to be released in just a few weeks, I believe. So it's very interesting to see. Uh, it would be something to watch here because right now Ethereum is sort of the giant when it comes to these ICOs for the most part. The vast majority of them are ERC-20 tokens, and this provides an alternative. So I encourage you to uh, check out Komodo. It's komodoplatform.com. And uh, KMD is the coin, and it's at CoinMarketCap. It's an interesting project, interesting to keep an eye out. That's it for this week. Thanks, as always, for listening, and please do visit ICO41.com. Contact us. We love to communicate. Thank you.